Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, oh man, Adam, I tell you what. <laughs> tell me, tell me what. As listeners of this show may know, you and I are both well-established fathers. We've, we, we have, that we is have, true. you know, enabled the fatherly arts and worked in them for a little bit. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. Can I can I tell you something? T- just break it down for me, Zach. Break it down. So I have these two burly rowdy sons. Mm-hmm. I have these two boys. And let me tell you what. Sometimes they bring you great joy. Of course. But sometimes sons are the worst, Adam. All kids can uh, be the worst sometime, which uh, I believe happens to be the theme of our show this week. It does, because sometimes, Adam, sometimes mm. your son goes back in time to try and kill your arch enemy and then ends up killing you. And sometimes your son, he uh, gets recruited by your arch enemy who's been planning your entire life to turn you into a super weapon. And then he tries and kills you. And then sometimes your son gets so mad that you're asking him to put on his dang shorts before he goes outside so he doesn't run around in his underwear that he screams and cries until he pukes on himself. (laughs) I think that last one was realistic. That last Uh, one was last weekend. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, it is interesting how many of these... uh, children's stories in the marvel universe involves some form of patricide you know like drowning your father in a puddle and what have you um dakin was the one who got drowned in a puddle not wolverine thank you very much oh sorry got that backwards it's been a while since i read that one look it's a Um, good story but yes dakin tried to drown him in like a tank of water though earlier in that story though so let's count it all right, so I'm not completely off base. Uh, our first story today is a Dakin story, uh, who does qualify for an awful child. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so none of these stories were selected individually, but longtime Patreon supporter Rob, uh, who is a good dude, mm-hmm. said, you know what, guys? I want you to do a whole episode about how sons are the worst. And let me tell you what, brother, there's a lot of X-Men stories about that. Rob, we're going to help you get through all of your issues today, and we're going to start with Dakin Dark Wolverine 13 to 15. Uh, Yeah, this story is called Moonwalk. Uh, It is written by Rob Williams with art by... It's uh, Mick Bertolorenzi with Riley Rosmo. Let's just let's just start this off. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Ken. Me neither. Not not my favorite He's character. Not my fave. I know he has a lot of fans, and that's fine, guys. Not not for me personally. 
we're just gonna we're just gonna put that asterisk right here at the top. There's been a lot of people very angry about that particular opinion that I hold. In which case, I say it's just comics, my dude. <laughs> well, Aiken is not. He's an acquired taste. I, I don't particularly understand the appeal and uh, this storyline, which involves him trying to figure out if he himself is a serial killer, which I thought he already was. Well, um, hold on. Okay. <laughs> he knows he's a serial killer. Well, not serial killer specifically. He's a mass murderer. Yes, that's probably he's, a better uh, way to phrase it. He's killed upwards, you know, at least high double digits of folks at this point, probably approaching the triples. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wants to know if he is this specific serial killer called the Claws Killer. <laughs> huh. I wonder why he would suspect that. Yeah, uh, he's also beginning super high in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, not on kick, though. Um, what, what is this, this pill he's taking? Heat? Uh, yeah, it's, there's, heat. it's what the kids call the heat. The heat. He's got the heat. It's when you mix up a bunch of hot tamales and you add in some PCP to it and you snort it. Kids, don't do that. Uh, that's a terrible idea. And uh, we, we forgot to mention that this story involves a, a very special guest star. I only picked this story so I could talk about Mark Spector, the Moon Knight, who is so good and I love him. <laughs> yes. So uh, the, the criminally insane Moon Knight has uh, joined in as, uh, I guess, his own personal investigator here. I mean... Yeah, so this is taking place concurrent with the Bendis run of Moon Knight, which is controversial. Okay. It's not... It's not the most beloved run. It's not the worst run either. Alex Malev does the art on that, so it's pretty good looking. Uh, but it does some things with the character that some people didn't like. Anyway, Moon Knight's in Hollywood, and he has, or his personalities have taken the shape of Captain America, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. Uh, so he takes it as a kind of a personal affront that Wolverine's kid is probably a serial killer. Right. So Moon Knight believes he's an Avenger, I guess, um, and takes the fight to Ken, who in uh, his own adventure is trying to pair up with the detective who suspects him as the killer, but is yet still willing to partner with him to figure out if he's the killer, which is a bit of a stretch. Look, she's a bad detective. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty clearly, right? She's like, huh, should I, should I arrest this known mass murderer? Nah, let's go to a party together. Uh, so, spoilers for the end of this story, there's a different person who looks exactly like Daken, uh, who actually is the serial killer? That's right. Uh, but, look, in that specific case, if you know that someone who looks like Daken has the same, uh, killing method as Daken, uh, and is called the Claws Killer, is killing people? Maybe maybe take him into custody first. That is a great idea. Great idea. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem outside of her realm of expertise to try such a thing. But yet we're still sort of being asked to believe that she's willing to trust this guy, which it really just seems a, a, too much, a bridge too far for me uh, in reading this story. Um, it's 
it's an interesting feature of stories with villainous protagonists, mm. especially comic book stories, because you still have to get your audience behind the protagonist of the story. That's true. You can't hate and not care about your protagonist. It's just, you can have a terrible, horrible person, but it's like the Walter White thing. He's a bad dude, but you you got that little bit, that little bit that's kind of rooting for him. I would like to go on record as saying that I was actively rooting against Walter White for a very large period of that show. Anyway. Uh, yes, yes. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. But were you rooting against him in episode one? Because I would posit no. No, there's a certain point where it switches over. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil that for anybody who still has not enjoyed that program. But um, yeah, by the yeah, end. Guys, I, I don't know what to tell you. Breaking Bad's actually pretty good. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, anyway, I don't have similar mixed anti-hero feelings about the Ken. Um, I will say that they're taking some artistic risks here. Um, we get this switch over into artists where uh, the Ken is sort of having these hallucinatory dreams about uh, Wolverine and his backstory. And they're done in a very interesting painterly way. And Riley Rosamos uh, starts to do the art and it turns into a little bit trippier, a little more psychedelic, but not in the palette goes into like a, you know, call it a sixties generic psychedelic. Yeah. Away, but the uh the composition of the pages just gets very jagged and with a lot of these lines and just a over uh over stimulation uh of the character and i think that really works well that's my favorite part of this whole thing yeah there's these saturated colors there's sort of this sinkevich-esque um line work that's being done and I don't know. It it adds something to the story that I think um, if it weren't there, the story would be a lot more flat. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's not to say the story isn't a little flat because the story's a little, it's an arc within a larger story that was being told in this. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it goes from a beginning to an end because it kind of starts with, okay, he's going to team up with this FBI agent. And then it's, here's the twist. Deken isn't the killer, but someone who's exactly like Deken is. Right. And it's also the intro and the outro of Moon Knight's involvement in this particular story. So um, it makes sense yeah. as an arc. Yeah. Sadly, Moon Knight just kind of doesn't do much besides have a fight. Yeah. Um, and that makes me sad because I've been reading uh, I've been reading the 80s Moon Knight recently. Mm hmm. Uh, Man, I love Moon Knight so much. I love Moon Knight <laughs> so freaking much. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? And this is not an official announced thing yet, but it's all over his Twitter. Uh, do you know who's going to be drawing something that heavily involves Moon Knight soon? No, I, I haven't heard this news. Who's who's going to do uh, it? It's Adam T. Gorham. Oh, sweet. That's such a perfect combo. Well, back to... Uh, De Are we saying Deken? I'm not saying Deken. I'm saying Dakin, right? Like... Deken is uh, the Mad Emperor. Uh, here, here is the here is the honest yeah. truth. On my episode with Cena Grace, yeah. uh, he told me what it actually is. What Marjorie Lou told him is the right way to pronounce mm -hmm. it, and oh, I forget <laughs> which one it was. I know that at the time I was pronouncing it mm. wrong. 
So, guys, go back to episode... Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Episode... 37? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, go find that one where I talk to Cena and we talk about Dakin. Well, listen, if you don't like Dakin, uh, you can take comfort in the fact that he does get shot in the head uh, as part of this arc and uh, produces a pretty cool hallucination as as his brain heals. But uh, I I don't think there's a lot to recommend here. So um, why don't we get to ranking this on our master list? Yeah, let's look at the master list because as of right now, Hmm. Adam... Do you know how many stories we got on this list? 273. That's right. 273 stories on this list. Uh, the top ranked story is Days of Future Past. Or, I mean, Dark Phoenix Saga. Man, D- Days of Future Past is number two. Number 50 <laughs> is X-Men Season 1. 100 is Uncanny X-Men Fall of the Mutants. 150 is Exiles 1 and 2. 200 is... X-Men 80 and Uncanny 360, Children of the Atom. And 250 is X-Men 100 to 102, Revolutions. So where is this going? Because I I don't see a lot here to revisit. It's better than Revolutions. Oh, sure. I mean, it's well done. I think the art is pretty solid. And it it tells a a pretty cohesive story with, with some interesting stuff. I just... I don't enjoy this character, so that that colors a lot of how I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah. Let me ask. I think I'm looking at what Wolverine stories we have on here. Uh huh. I don't think it's better than 186, which is the bar issue, uh, where Wolverine goes to a bar. No, I, I would agree. I think it's lower than that. Um, it's probably not I... as good as Come Conquer the Beasts at 203. Yep. Um, going lower than that. I don't like this as much as District X at 208. Um, though, all right. Oh, man. It's, here's what I'll say. I think it is better than number uh, 210, Generation X 63, Monet Vampire Hunter. Okay. I can get behind that. I, th- really I think that's fair, because it's, this is a competently done story. Right. With a character I dislike that doesn't do mm-hmm. anything special to make me like the character. Right. But it, it is a well-told story. And if you're a, a Dakin fan, you, you probably would like this. So uh, I, I don't want to discredit it too much because I feel like it is well-written. I feel like the art is pretty good. Yeah, and we're biased. <laughs> yeah. So is this our new 210? Well, right above that is the C.B. Sabalski uh, Akira Yoshida X-Men Age of Apocalypse. Well, that had that had uh, Bachelor art, so... Yeah, this is going right under that. Yeah, alright. We'll give CB the edge there. Good for you, Chester. <laughs> alright, what disappointing offspring are we moving to next here, Zach? The next terrible... Oh boy, the next uh, Le Fantarves, uh is Legion. Specifically... Oh, Legion. His return. Yeah, he had been gone for uh, quite some time, right? Literally since the end of Age of Apocalypse. That is absolutely insane because um, we're talking about a long time before this book, which is a relaunch of New Mutants with Zeb Wells, right? Yeah, so Age of Apocalypse starts, what, 94, 95? Yeah. End of 94, I think? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This 
Comes out in 2009. Yeah, pretty wild. And it's also kind of interesting, um, you know, reading this, just thinking about how we think about Legion now with the show and uh, with Cy Spurrier's take on the character, because the way he's reintroduced is sort of, I don't know, I feel like it's touching on some of those concepts, but it's not doing it nearly as well. So what this is, so this is New Mutants Volume 3, number one through five, Return of the Legion, uh, like you mentioned by Zeb Wells. Uh, with art on the first four, pencils by Diogenes uh, Naves, and then on number five by uh, Zachary Baudas, and we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, but no, so this is Legion coming back and them wanting to do something with him, but not fully understanding like what's going to work for the character. But this is this is what it builds to, because after this, he becomes a recurring character in Mike Carey's X-Men Legacy, mm-hmm. which then becomes Cy Spurrier's X-Men Legacy a couple years later. So it's all building up to the take on the character that is, you know, most widely uh, respected. Yeah, so the, the building blocks are definitely here. Um, in Cy's run, he's got this idea of sort of, it's almost like a prison inside of uh, Legion's mind. And here we get the first idea of there being sort of a cast of characters inside legion's mind um you know one of those is still jack wayne um as part of this arc but we're getting a host of other characters now they're not as sort of cartoonish and or as interesting like the origamist um or or some of the other characters that cy spurrier introduces but like the the template is here i think for where it's gonna go absolutely now uh before we dive too far into those weeds, uh, what's what's this story about? What's going on with it? Well, we, we're getting back uh, Cannonball, Sunspot, Magic, and uh, Danny Moonstar. Um, who, who else is with them on this particular mission? Oh, and Magma. Um, because Sean McCoy is in trouble. Um, and we it turns out that sean is actually inside of legion's uh psyche you know like her body is (laughs) basically in the back of a bar somewhere and um you know it's up to our new mutants to sort of figure out what the heck is going on yeah it's interesting how this happens uh because at this point the new mutants are all older they're adult ish Mm mm-hmm so yes. there's not a great compelling reason to bring all of them back. And some of them, like uh, Rain Sinclair, was busy with X-Force right now. So she's, she mm-hmm. doesn't join the team. But they, they go together, and there's there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like, this is right after Magic comes back to the books, period. Right. And no one, none of the young kids like her. Uh, she took them to hell for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> she stole a... A little, a small, just a smidge, just a tiny portion of Pixie's soul. Uh, and they didn't appreciate that one. Yeah, this is a, a far leap from the uh, the magic that we've come to love um, within probably the last couple of years. But um, here, no one really likes her. And she's acting very, very strange and a little bit crazy. So... She's there because she has to be, and 
Um, they're going to go and they're going to try and rescue Shan, who is also there because she was trying to save a little girl. And that little girl had also ended up in Legion's mind. So actually Legion's corporeal form is in a box in the basement of the parents of that child. Did yep. I get that right? Very strange. Yeah, it's wild. Also, Danny Moonstar went to help out. But she doesn't have her powers anymore. And Sam sees that as a liability. Oh, he's such a jerk to her. A little bit. He's a little bit of a jerk to her. Uh, She does punch him in the face at the end of this arc, so... Yeah, uh, several times, actually. There's there's a bit of of back and forth between them. So, the the storyline does wrap up with Legion sort of being uh, put under control, but it's not really explained in the fourth issue how that happens. So we do get this epilogue issue in, in number five um, with a completely different artist. And uh, we, we do discover that it was not Magic who, you know, sort of murder, murderously in Legion's mind solved the, the, saved the day, but it was actually uh, Karma who struck the fatal blow with with her uh with the soul sword yeah uh magic manipulated karma into doing Mm -hmm. that this is not the last time magic manipulates someone in this arc and then uh karma then also will later manipulate magic pretty hard so they've kind of got a bad relationship going on it makes dead souls like a lot more reasonable oh yeah yeah the the conflict between the two is is very interesting um the art shift here is tremendous, though, between the first four issues, which almost kind of have a, a a Greg Land kind of feel to them in terms of the, you know, the line work that's going on to a very interesting, I don't even know how to describe the sort of pastel look that we're getting in issue number five. It looks like something that would be in a high school art class, uh, by not the good student, the bad one who doesn't understand depth and <laughs> uh, proportions of things. I commented about this online when this came out. Uh, I don't think Zachary Baldus does a good job on this issue. I understand that he's going for something stylistic and a different approach than comics traditionally have. And New Mutants have a long history of that, especially with Bill Sienkiewicz. So I can appreciate that from one angle. Uh, but just because you're taking a risk doesn't mean that risk pays off. And I really think this is the worst art I've seen in X-Men. Like, it, to me, it just is. I'm not going to go that far because I have definitely seen, like, worse phoned-in art, especially in sort of the the 90s imitation era. Um, there's definitely some skill behind what's going on here, and it is making stylistic choices that I can't imagine most people would like. Um, Most of the characters have these sort of drawn out Modigliani-esque faces. And there are certain sequences of panels here that I think do work, but even just, and we, we talked about how important it is in past episodes about, you know, sort of keeping characters on model. Um, if you had told me that that's what Dr. Nemesis looks like, 
in this issue. I, I don't get it at all. There are some weird, weird representations in here that just do not work with the individual characters and do not work with the writing. So the way the way I view it, and I agree, there's some more phoned in art, and I don't want to take anything away from it. I'm sure that in a different context, uh, Zachary Baldus is actually really good. I'm I'm sure that that's the case. However, I don't think what he was doing in this particular issue works for sequential storytelling within comic books. Here's the thing. I'm Google. I just Google image searched him. Uh, he's a good artist. Uh, there's a, there's an image of Kitty pride that I didn't realize was him. Uh, that's fantastic. It's the one where I don't know if you've seen it. She's holding two katana and there's a bunch of arrows shot through her, but she's faced through them. Yeah, I don't think, maybe it's, maybe it was rushed. Maybe this was an early piece of comics work from him. Maybe a lot of things. I think this issue is bad. Um, And I think, you know, just in general, I have heard people, I have not read the entire Zeb Wells run. Um, I didn't love this. You know, I like these characters a lot. Um you know, I, I want to see them together and interacting in, in a variety of different scenarios, but this did not do a lot for me in, in general. No, I'd say that this run, because this run takes a little bit because it goes from this to Necrotia. Oof. Uh, and then from Necrotia, it goes right into Siege. Mm-hmm. And then from Siege, it goes into Second Coming. So it doesn't really get to do anything until issue 15. And then there's like a seven or eight issue arc that's super good called The Rise and, or the Fall and Rise of the New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's great. That's what people compliment when they compliment the Zeb Wells run. Everything else building up to it uh, just... Just, it doesn't hit as well. Like there's some there's some stuff with Cipher that goes on in Necrotia, and it's some of my least favorite stuff. That's the stuff with danger, right? Nope. No. Nope. Nope. You're nope. <laughs> that's a different uh, thing. That's when that's when this is that turns into when Cipher uh, is an expert martial artist when he gets raised from the dead because he can understand body language. Oh boy. Jeez Louise. <laughs> That's not a language. Um, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's a pun. Zeb, Zeb, that's a pun. Did you see Zeb Wells is doing Spider-Ham now? Oh, that's great. Yeah, good for him. I'm, I'm real happy for it. Uh, yeah, that got announced today. Anyway, this story's wild. Uh, I w- not my fave. No, well, I will... T- not terrible either. No. Like, there's, it's, it's fine. It's just not... Not the best that this run's going to be, and not the best New Mutants I oh, want. Oh, no, absolutely not. So let's set uh, a little uh, ceiling here to begin with. This is not better than the last three issues of the original New Mutants run, which we currently have at 226. Um, Look, yeah, you're not wrong about that one, bud. Yeah. Um, Now, how... Do we have any... Uh, is it better than the New Mutants Fall of the New Mutants, or Fall of the Mutants, which, may I remind you, has Bird Boy in it? Yeah, a little bird brain goes a long way. Um, I would rather 
look at Brett Levin's artwork than this, though. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm looking at I w- like I'm looking at we're in the right realm because like 241's mechanics, um, you know. Here's here's what I would I would posit. Yeah. I would probably rather read this again than Exiles 100. Yep. I think I might go to NYX No Way Home I, before this I again. agree. So this would be our new 234. 234. Uh, someone send in Rise and Fall of the New Mutants. It's great. <laughs> All right. Well, that... That's a fun story. That that has... Here's, here's a teaser of that, Adam. Because I just assume that anything 10 years ago can be spoiled pretty freely, but I'll give you a teaser. Yeah, go for it. You remember how in Inferno, uh, Madeline Pryor kidnapped a bunch of babies? Oh, yes. You ever wonder what happened to all those other babies? Every day of my life. Yup. <laughs> yup, it's that story. That's the one. <sighs> well, we're, we're definitely dipping into the pool of, uh, of awful offspring here, so um, we gotta pick one more. Who's it gonna be? Uh, okay, so... Let's talk about the good summer's kid named Hope. No. You know she's got a brother? <sighs> I sadly do. <laughs> you know about Tyler Dayspring? Oh boy. Tyler Dayspring is Scotty Sun Summers? Uh, I, I believe that's who we're talking about in this story, correct? Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Genesis. Deep breath, everybody. <laughs> Not the cute, fun apocalypse, uh, little mini apocalypse kid from uh, Uncanny X-Force and Wolverine and the X-Men fame. This is the original Genesis. This is the large, mean apocalypse kid. (sighs) Yep, and he's got some heck of a master plan here. If you could understand it, let me know. Okay, so have we... This is Wolverine 98 to 100, uh, furnace of his brain, anvil of his heart great title larry hama poet have we talked much about larry hama's run on here because i don't remember if we have i don't think so I know you've talked about it extensively on social media but i really don't know how much we've gotten into it here on the show here's the thing about larry hama larry hama is buck wild <laughs> that's and maybe an understatement Never, never accused Larry Hama of not putting 100% into a comic because Larry Hama is swinging for the fences every chance he gets. Here's the thing, though. He's probably on his Wolverine run. got the same batting average as a decent uh, MLB batter, (laughs) uh, which is like 30%, 25-30%. Well, just as an example of this, this story begins with Wolverine waking up in uh, Madripoor in the Princess Bar, not remembering how he got there, and everyone in the room is uh, has been cut and slashed uh, by what appears to be Wolverine claws. I'm sensing a theme with our first story. Uh... <laughs> that is. Uh, Ramon Bernardo does the art on this one. We got three different artists because it's the 90s. Yeah, and there's a there's a wild variety in terms of, of what's happening here. Anyway, in the next issue, Wolverine basically says, Hey, I must have killed these people. I'm going to go to prison. And all of Madripoor's criminal underworld comes to try and kill him. 
it doesn't end up so well. Um, and then a weird woman with no internal organs takes him through a portal at uh, <laughs> at the legal office of Landu Luckman and Lake. Thank you. Yeah, they're uh, inter they're interdimensional lawyers. Yes. Um, well, they're really more of a holding company for the most part, but they do some they do some law with that. Uh, named after the owners of the comic shop Forbidden Planet. Oh, I didn't know that. That's an interesting little in joke. Yeah, I like that. Cannonball is in this story for some reason, uh, and Wolverine <laughs> eventually ends up a teleporting to the Dark Riders and uh, Tyler, who. Uh, has a great plan to get ready for the 100th issue of Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, they they go to Akaba, uh, which is the Egyptian city where uh, Apocalypse is from. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tyler Dayspring um, doesn't love his dad or anything his dad stands for, and like most rebellious teens, does team up with his dad's arch nemesis and worship him as if he were a god, which he is because he is Apocalypse. He is like the rocks in the ocean. Crash upon me and be broken. Well, we do at least in issue 100 get Adam Kubert uh, doing his Adam Kubert thing here, uh, which is, is kind of fun to behold. But man, oh man, I don't know why Genesis would think it's a good idea to try and fill Wolverine back up with the adamantium that had been removed from his skeleton way back in uh, Fatal Attractions. Do you know where he got the adamantium from, Adam? Uh, yes, uh, he killed Cyber from Blood Hungry and sucked all the adamantium out of him and decided to put it back into Wolverine. Yeah, so um, Wolverine could be his horseman of death. Right. Now, why in the world you would think that would actually work? I don't know, but it, it, Tyler, it's a story, I guess. Tyler Dayspring is not very smart. <laughs> Clearly not. Look, there's a reason he gets like dropped off of the Summer's family tree more than Adam X does, because he is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also gets hacked and slashed by said Wolverine, um, who is, you know, in this crazy feral state yeah. with curved claws, and he's just a mess. Hold on. Okay, so Wolverine rejects the adamantium. Yep, spits it out. Just literally, like, explodes it out of his body like shrapnel, killing the Dark Riders. All gone. And then his nose is flat. He's gone bestial. He has gone feral. He has lost all control. He is no longer a fight between man and beast. Beast has won. Uh, and he stabs Tyler Dayspring a lot. Which uh, Cable's, let's call him adopted son, uh, Cannonball does see. And it's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, dag. <laughs> oh, Cannonball no. Cannonball gets messed up in this story, man. He is not looking good. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why Larry Hama brought Cannonball into this one, but more Cannonball is always a good thing. Yeah, uh, there's also a subplot in issue 100 about an Electra and Stick hanging out at a fireplace somewhere, which I'm I'm sure is leading to wonderful stories in coming issues. Literally, the feels... next year of comics is about Electra training Feral Wolverine. It's okay. I'm going to get on a weird soapbox here. Here we go. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go for it, man. Soapbox. Uh, I think this. I think this is an edition of Zach's Hot Take Corner. Have we? Yeah, no, we haven't had a Zach's Hot Take Corner. Let's do it. We forgot Zach's about that bit. Corner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here's Zach's Hot Take Corner. Um, noseless Wolverine's a bad design. Mm. No one's gonna argue about it. Uh, it's horrible. It's not the worst part of Larry Hama's run. In fact, <laughs> the stuff with him and Elektra is kind of interesting, especially because, like, I don't know, from like eighty to through this arc, Hama just had a lot of misses. He was kind of going back through his greatest hits because he'd been riding Wolverine for a while at this point. Sure. So this gave him something different to do, and it was interesting, if not great. Well, hey, uh, Wolverine, Noseless Wolverine does lick Cyclops in the next issue. So uh, <laughs> even though we're not ranking that issue, <laughs> there's always something interesting going on here. Yeah, like I, I only wanted to fend Noseless Wolverine so far, but <laughs> the actual stories aren't as bad as you might think. He does get a bandana at one point, which is very silly. Gotta have that bandana. Oh man. Honest honestly, I I kinda like nineties characters who have bandanas. <laughs> like I think it's well, a yeah. good look. Uh Age it's of Apocalypse Peter. Uh yep. Random. Grifter. It it works. It's a whole it's a it's a look. Uh unfortunately Genesis uh did not adopt any cool looks. He looks like a moron his sidekicks look like morons the night uh the dark riders here look absolutely there's only really one original still left uh the rest of their designs well, look awful there's deadbolt and gauntlet are there sure gauntlet's the only one i remember from the original deadbolt uh, deadbolt's the uh like the shocky one shocky one like he's All the right. electric one i must have missed him was he standing in the background somewhere? He's in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's the he's the you. skeleton. He's the skeleton. And I guess technically he's not an original Dark Rider. Uh he's no, from he, Cable. He's, yeah, he's the one that looks exactly like uh the villain from the first four issues of Wildcats. So they basically like took a Jim Lee design and just were like, Yeah, this character is that. <laughs> anyway. Uh look, if it, you know, if you're gonna steal, steal from Jim Lee. Uh, sure that that seemed to work for a decade's worth of comics and still does uh i don't know what do you think about this i don't love it uh it's bad yeah the art by val sebeckius in 99 is real bad and the adam kubert stuff's not great either well the kubert stuff i think is is i don't know this whole era where uh, Kubert is sort of flexing his muscles on like weird panel layouts and, and just trying things. You can see that experimentation and it makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, but man, like 99 is rough when you have like such huge anatomy problems. This one's not great. Uh, let's see. The best Wolverine story we have on here is number six, which is the Frank Miller, Chris Claremont Wolverine. And this is well below that. And the worst Wolverine story we have on our list is number 272, which is the Witchblade Wolverine crossover. Is this better than that? Yes, it's better than okay. Witchblade Wolverine. All right. Um, how about, let's see, better than Uncanny X-Men 291 to 293 Morlocks Take Manhattan? Maybe. 
Mm. Okay. How does it stack up against last week's uh, Shadow Games? It's like right there. Um, <laughs> okay. Is it better than... Mm, uh, uh, mm, it's probably not better than Phalanx Covenant Life Signs. That has a dragon man in it. That's true. I would probably put it above the first six issues of X Factor, though. Okay. 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 I can deal with this. So, 259? Perfect. That's Wolverine 98 to 100. Burnus of his brain. Anvil of his heart. That is quite the title. Man, look. Like I said. Like I said. My boy Larry Hama swings for the fences every time he wants a home run he's not gonna get it all the time (laughs) but it's a lot of content uh whether it's good or not it's not in this particular case man there's just so much wolverine there's so much wolverine good luck to anyone embarking on that journey or that has already gone on that journey i will not be joining you (laughs) Uh, I'm just not going to binge read uh, all of that Wolverine. It's too much. I have read every main series Wolverine title. Uh, God bless you. I'm working on all of the like Wolverine one shots and things and minis. The original ones of those are really fun. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, just a reminder to the Republic that we love our children and we hope you love your children too and make sure that you're good parents so they don't turn out like the characters in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Do better, guys. Like, seriously. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, guys. Do better. Just just keep on keeping on and uh, keep on getting better. So, um, where, where, where can people find you online, Zach? Uh, you can find me online at... At XavierFiles.com. That's where you have all the latest and greatest of X-Men content. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at XavierFiles. And really importantly, you can find me on Patreon.com slash XavierFiles. Where guys like Rob, who we thank so much for this episode, uh, go on over and support the show. It really means a lot. Uh, if we get just a couple more supporters. Like, guys, we get three more supporters at like that fifth or that $5 a month level that lets you get a new episode every year, all dedicated to you. Then me and Luz Bianca are going to do a whole podcast about X-Men, the anime. Pretty cool. Cause here's the thing, guys, I've been playing fire Emblem three houses and that's a anime as heck game. <laughs> so you're in the mood. I'm guys, this is as charitable to anime as I will ever be. <laughs> Now's the time. Oh, man. Uh, Adam, people Hawk- can find you. Oh, yeah. Hawksbox well, Talks is on Hawksbox Polygon. Hawksbox yeah. Talks is on Polygon. Uh, this last issue had a reference to the Francis Ford Capella movie Jack, where Ad, uh, Robin Williams becomes an old kid. Uh, <laughs> have I written that as of this recording? No. Am I sure that we're going to talk about the movie Jack where Robin Williams is an old kid? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited to, to uh, read Hawksbox Talks as I always am. Uh, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, we're, we're really delving towards the final uh, couple of pages uh, of Bish and Jubes, Cross Time Conundrum, every X-Men Monday. 
on adamreck.tumblr.com. And if you'd like art in your inbox, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash adamreck. What do we got going on next week, Zach? Next week, we're going to talk about Madeline Pryor. She's very Bernie. Ooh, I like Madeline Pryor. I, look, they did it dirty. They did it dirty to Maddie Pryor. Well, uh, we're going to not be talking about Inferno, so th- this is going to be an interesting uh, episode. Literally none of the stories have Goblin Queen in them, so it's going to be real cool. Luz Bianca's going to be on the show for that one. Uh, so you can get a taste of what this podcast might look like if it was all anime. Mm. Uh, but until then, guys, this has been Bal the Adam, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!